Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast, where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration, hope, and triumph. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Joy and laughter may be involved. This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. Welcome to the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. I am so excited, as usual, to introduce my guest. Um, not usual. I'm super nervous today, which is dumb, and I might be sweating a little bit, which is also dumb that I announced it. But you know, I tell the truth. So, hi. <laughs> This is Glenn Marsden. He is my guest today from the Imperfectly Perfect campaign. Hello, Glenn. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm so great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I've got them as well, Laurie. So you're you're fine. I love it. I love it. We're together. Yes, which is so wonderful when you get to a place in your life that you can admit these things, talk about it, and recognize so many of us are going through the same thing, which it's a great segue into Imperfectly Perfect campaign. I was introduced to Glenn recently from, my listeners would know, one of the most geeked up interviews that we had recently was Eden Sassoon and love, love, love her. And I have a lot of listeners that like, um, you know, the Beverly Hills thing. So that was huge. And then she told me about this guy, Glenn, She's like, imperfectly perfect. And I said, that's weird. I wanted to write a book. Well, back up. I am writing a book, okay? I'm writing a book. I wanted the title to be Perfectly Imperfect. That's really not, um, it's not unique. It's not unique. So I have to come up with something else. Anyway, Perfectly Imperfect, Imperfectly Perfect is the name of the campaign. Eden, thank you for introducing us. Glenn, I would love to get to know tons about you specifically, because I feel like there's, there's, there's some depth to the man behind the campaign. And I want to really, I really, I want to meet him today. I want to pull him out to get the world to know who Glenn is. And we're not going to um, hide behind all of the beautiful celebrities that you have in your campaign, which is so exciting. So please tell the listeners and myself a little bit about Imperfectly Perfect campaign and what even spurred that to the mass campaign it is now. Yeah, well, first of all, I'll say thank you to Eden as well. Love, love, love Eden. Um, we have got to know each other really well, and I just, you just can't say enough nice things about her. I mean, like, this is the thing. You said it at the beginning there. Like, people think they know people or a persona, what they see on screen, film, whatever it may be. Getting to uncover and getting to know the person behind that persona or profession, wow, it's, it, it's just eye-opening. And I suppose for me, Imperfectly Perfect campaign stemmed just over two years ago now, I, six or seven years ago, suffered with body dysmorphia. I was in the health and fitness industry. So whether you look at it as an addiction to a perceived flaw that I thought I had, bearing in mind I'd studied, should I say, I studied the makeup of the body, the theoretical side, but what you can tell and what you see in the mirror can be detrimental on two things. So I suppose that was my demise. And when I moved forward past it and got help and cognitive behavioral therapy, two and a half years ago, I turned social media back on because that was a big attributor playing into my insecurities. And I'd noticed an old friend from the UK had sadly passed away. Now, bearing in mind, I was looking, I was scrolling. There was no lead up to it, no illness. And I thought, well, what's happened? So I reached out to friends, bearing in mind, I live in Sydney, Australia. He was back in the UK. 
uh, there was highlight reels. So a career, family, holidays, as we often see this perceived highlight reel. We don't know what's going on in, in reality. And sadly, I found out he'd taken his life. So for me, it knocked me about because I saw a video that his partner had posted of him and his little boy, which broke my heart. And it still does to this day because I've got little kids. And to have to sit there and tell your child that your father or your mother is not coming home, just, it, yeah, it breaks anybody's heart. So I initially reached out to all the organizations in Australia. Understandable, they get so many advocates. I got thank you, but no thank you. So being the Yorkshire guy I am, I rolled my sleeves up and I was like, right, I'm going to do something. What can I do? I literally, my health and fitness profession, I knew nobody really in the entertainment sector, the corporate sector. I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this worldwide. <laughs> Be there. Um, I said, and you know what? I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to show the reality of what mental health can be, but how can I separate it? I thought we need to showcase people that maybe we, especially our kids to create a legacy, aspire to be or think they have this perfect life and that they can't possibly know what it feels like to go through mental health. So I just utilized social media for its intended purpose at the beginning, reached out. And then in three months, it got picked up by the local press, six months all over the networks in Australia, by 12 months in the US, in the UK, Southeast Asia. And it just continued meeting. And how I came into fruition with Eden Sassoon is Jeremy Jackson, who was on Baywatch, good friend of mine, went on a podcast. Eden happened to be on the podcast with Justin Garini. He started mentioning the campaign. She actually said, I've got a tattoo that says perfectly imperfect. Crazy. All this synergy. And then Justin Garini said, that's that's something I say all the time. So they all came on the campaign. Now we talk every other day. And I'm just like, like the synergies and everything. And that brings us to here we are. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. And I love one of the things that on your website, it stated clearly uh, that it was your initiative went global in under 12 months led by vision, dedication, and the universe. And that spoke to me so much because in recovery myself, not only uh, sober for over five years, but also with my own mental health struggles, I've noticed as I've continued to recover and continue to heal that there is such a thing as the universe, the higher power, the God of your choice, whatever it is, it works. And the fact that this is you like the whole thing with the, the name of your campaign, Eden's tattoo. Eden and I discussed this as well. Um, years ago, I before I went into treatment, I was a fan of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I sort of watched the season that that Eden was in. And I remember, and I just found this paper the other day. You'd shit yourself if you saw it. I literally wrote <laughs> down Eden Sassoon, Sister Katya. And that was me saying like, oh my God, I totally connected with this person. And I totally connected with her story. And I can't believe she lost a sibling, which was also something I have unfortunately experienced in life. And I just knew when I was hearing her bits and pieces on the show, because obviously an overly produced reality TV show. So we didn't really get to see the full her, but I did, right? I, I knew I could tell. And so it was just that whole universe piece just is is so freaking amazing how it brings people together. And it's just heartwarming. And I appreciate that somehow that worked us to, to be here today as well. Well, that could open a whole segue. I'll tell you that because I was the least spiritual person. And I <laughs> believe 
that once you go through adversity and you're on this journey and you actually realize, like, you truly do step into your truth and you remove that ego, an ego in a sense that you get comfortable in being uncomfortable and you have these hard conversations and the empath in you and the compassion for others, you pick up. So I get that. Like, you can listen to someone's story and you go, there's a deeper story to that. And that's the whole premise with the campaign. I have now, fortunately, and I'm very grateful, spoken to some big names in whatever sector. And the thing is, I'll go into it and I'll never be nervous because I'll be like, okay, so put aside all the accolades, put aside all that. You're a human being. Yes. I want to know the person behind that. And a lot of the times, a lot of them will go, well, nobody asked me that. And I'm like, well, I'm different to everybody else, mate. (laughs) I'm just like, I really want to know about what drove you or motivated you to get into that profession. Because what I've seen from that profession, you have to have a thick skin. And what people don't see is the behind the scenes. And what I wanted to show is, look, like I worked in fitness for a long time. I used to post highlight reels of fitness because it's my profession. They have to show things on red carpets because it is their profession. But indirectly, what that does is disconnects people in the real world thinking that that is ultimately 24-7. And then when you uncover that, and like the podcast myself that I've done and, and, and showcase this, the response is just like, oh my God. And synergies just keep on happening. So now I'm just like, To say that somebody who wasn't connected to anybody has now got over 350 influential public figures and it's gone worldwide in 12 months, I'm like, yeah, I work hard, but uh, a lot of doors just opening and and what did they say? Synchronicities. and Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and you know what I love is this sounds very much like I've said this for so long and it's really simplistic. You know good people when you know good people. Right. You just, and you said this just so clearly about you can tell someone has a deeper level story. And if you have faced adversity, you can say, this person has been through some shit and they get it. And that's difficult sometimes because we haven't always had the permission to be ourselves and to be open about talking about pain and struggle. And because it's, it, it affects other people in your life. And I don't know about you, but I will find out some more because I'm writing notes feverishly and I can't wait to uncover some more things about Glenn as you do all of your wonderful uh, campaigners. I just, I always have this situation where I struggle with being completely honest about my story because there are still people alive and well that have damaged me. And so having conversation about my childhood and what some would consider neglect or abuse or traumas, it's difficult to have that conversation knowing, I wonder if my mom's going to hear this, or she thinks I'm blaming her about something. When I, tr- when I am, by the way, I am blaming you if you're listening, <laughs> because I mean, yeah, you did what you could, right? And I get it. I, I hear this a lot is um, they did what they could back in the day. and 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 I... I'm okay with that. I've settled with that. And how I feel as a woman raising children is that's just not enough for me. That's just not enough for me. We have to, we have to do better. And so, so that's what I'm trying to do. And that's why the recovery hour exists because I too want to just break the stigma of really like the look and feel of who has not only mental health issues, but addiction issues or anything, just recovery in general is, you know what? Freaking hard work. And 
I don't think those that that don't experience the adversity, as you said earlier, recognize that this literally is life or death for some people every single morning. Well, one of the best things that I, a good friend of mine, Letitia Fry, and I'll always say this to everyone because she said it and it was so profound. We was actually doing a roundtable with Eden and everything. And she was like, there are so many people out there that say they've never experienced mental health. Welcome to COVID. This is your first experience. Now everyone's becoming a little bit more aware. And like you, you want to break that, and I would say, an ancestral line. Because our parents before us didn't know better because they learn. And somewhere along that line, if we continue that, all we're doing is suppressing those emotions and passing it on to our future generations. So you even saying that yourself, you're very self-aware. But what we need to do with that is make sure a lot more people are becoming self-aware. And Mm -hmm. as humans, I always say, we are conditioned to judge whether something's good or bad. However, we need to be more receptive to be mindful because unless you've walked a mile in someone else's shoes, you just never know. And that when you talk about addiction, I've got some friends and I've made friends through this campaign and they have been at the depth of despair with addiction. But then when you uncover those layers and you actually see where it's come from and there's a great viral YouTube video and I really need to remember the name, but it was so, it stuck out to me. And there was a, there was a clinical psychologist and she went into a penitentiary over in the US and she got every inmate to stand in a circle. And she literally said, right, I want to do this and, and, and see what comes of it. And she was like, has anyone ever, or do they come from a less affluent area being surrounded by drugs, half of the guys step forward. Has anyone ever been abused as a child? Some step forward. And it, it continued to the point mm-hmm. where even the guys, the inmates looked at each other with a new respect and was like, oh my, like, you just don't realize. And I went on a mental health, I'll just tell you really quickly, a mental health management course. And there was two guys who had actually been inside several years earlier. And when they was learning about mental health, they was like, when they was inside, there was two types of guys. There was like those who just trained to get through their time and those who seemed to just find the drugs and stay on the drugs. Mm. Those who were training, even them included, said they had the misconception and used to think these people were weak and they couldn't handle it. But what they actually took away from that mental health management course was that, no, these guys weren't weak. They were just, they were suppressing these emotions that they didn't want to deal with. And it made them more mindful, which these come from hard conversations. They come from the reality of going, hey, Laura, you know what? This is my truth. And when you stick to that truth, it's a strength. Like if anyone's going to judge you, like based on that, do you need to be around that person? Remove yourself. Bingo. (laughs) Boom. Yes. Drop it. Nuggets of wisdom over here. So true though. Like what the hell? I tell my kids this all the time. Like if they're freaked out about something, my son is a teenager, you know, of course he's in high school. And then I have an eight-year-old little girl and an 18-year-old. And anytime, anytime these kids talk about, well, I don't know, and my shorts and this is that. And I'm like, what the hell do you care? Like literally, what do you care? Do you, are you comfortable? Do you feel good? Do you like what you see? Go. Who gives a shit what Sally says? Like, don't well, care. I always say, and I, I'll say, I say it to my son because he's eight, nine years old. And, and when we go out, you'll notice when they look around to see if anyone's looking at them, yes. if they're out of the ordinary. And uh, I've started spotting it with him. And I actually, I, I took him to one side and we took, a, we took a group photo with a couple of friends. And I was like, right, tell me what is the first thing that you do, like the majority of people in this world. I was like, your eyes go directly to yourself, don't they? 
You don't look at anyone else in the picture. You want to see what you look like to see if you look good or see if you look a booger. And it's like, <laughs> you like, look a booger. <laughs> oh, so it's so British there. But it's so, so British. Good. We are so focused on ourselves that what we put into our head thinking that everyone else is thinking something, they're concentrating yes. on themselves. Yes, so true. Well, and again, we're conditioned that way, right? And some okay. of us as you said earlier with the suppression, you know, we had family just telling us, don't do this because so-and-so will see, or if you say this in front of so-and-so, like who gives a shit? Like, I don't, I don't know when I got to this place in life, but it was fairly recent. And my husband tells me all the time, he's like, God, I wish I could be more like you in this capacity, by the way, because he would probably hate to have the brain that I scramble around with every day. But the point was the fact that I like my give a shitter, I don't care. Like, I do not care. If, some, if, if somebody asks me now what I want to do, I tell them very specifically what I want to do. Yeah. I don't go through this practice of, let me go ahead and make you comfortable and happy so I can live in misery just so you can be okay. No, fuck you. We're not doing that. Like, that's not happening here. I'm going to tell you. Isn't it? What's once, you, once you set your boundaries and you're comfortable with yourself, it, it, it's kind of like, we can't take on how someone reacts. So it was a lesson that I learned through business and everything. And I was never a people pleaser. At the same time, I found it hard to say no, especially to people mm-hmm. that I knew. Until the end, I conditioned myself and got uncomfortable and actually started saying no to see the response. Now, I always took it, if someone's truly a friend and there's a friendship there, they will respect that. If somebody is not getting what they want from you and they attack you, you know that you don't need that person around you. And Bugger off. <laughs> bagger off that's very british bagger off will you <laughs> i love it you've been practicing i know <laughs> i haven't it's coming naturally i love it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh no this is amazing because it is it is so true and 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 to look back in places where you get it right and i think that's the biggest thing for advocates like ourselves that have experienced the mental health issues and who also are now advocating to say you know what fuck all of us we all got the issues right let's just how do we deal with them how do we react how can we continue to treat each other with kindness and compassion because truly that's really how this world is going to continue to evolve and we can exist together like if you just dumb it down and you said it perfectly earlier and i say this all the time we're all freaking humans like in the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what your faith is. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter. You are human. So you deserve decency of good morning. Hi. Ooh, you exist. Interesting. Let me make a little eye contact with you and maybe even say hello. But it's that societal thing, isn't it? We like we were talking about it the other day. And we was like, you know, when you get in an elevator, when you're at work or something and, and you look around and you actually make eye contact and say good morning to somebody and it's like someone's just, um, I don't know. So everyone's like, someone spoke. Oh my gosh, what do we do? It's those things. It's like, yes, good morning. How are you? I almost shit myself when I was in New York <laughs> recently. I literally, someone held the door open for me and I thought, what is happening? Like some space invaders invaded New York City because someone actually held the door. And you know, you don't make eye contact there. You got to just hustle and you got to go. And and I thought, oh, human, I love it. We're making progress. Wow. Is that, I, you know what? I've been to the US, LA a lot of time, but never been to New York yet. My, my wife's been so many times, but I need to, is that what it's like? 
(laughs) It's a different being, man. It's different. I I love it. This is the this is the craziest shit. I'll tell you. I was born and raised there, so I am currently in Reno, Nevada. So very much west of the U.S. Um, I don't know how long it is to L.A., but not very far. Quick, like hour flight to L.A. I grew up in New York, and you're just hardcore. I mean, you just like no bullshit. You want to talk about. You want to talk about like childhood and, you know, suppression of emotion and you talk your feelings and people are like, literally shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? You softy, like get out of here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, literally like, Hey, you know, Oh, Lorianne's crying again. What the fuck is wrong now? I want to give you something to cry about. I'm like, God, I don't know. My friend just died and I'm really sad. You know, (laughs) it's like, you just, it's intense. Um, but there's no bullshit, you know, which is great there, but yes, it's a very aggressive city and whatever, for whatever reason, man, I freaking love it. And, and, you know, it's like in your blood. And I am one of those, like I said earlier, very anxious. And I have a lot of sort of um, not really subtle issues with noise and someone's chewing too loud or there's a siren in, you know, like freaking 50 miles away and I can hear it or the radio or like movie theaters. I feel like I'm getting shivved, like whole crazy shit going on in my head. But when I go to New York City and I hear just the hustle and the bustle and the cabs barking and the freaking garbage cans going and the sirens, it's like heaven. It literally is like comfort to me. It's the weirdest shit ever, but you know what? Two two, two things to that. I'll say. I love that one, you have an answer for everything. By the way, I'm going uh, on random rants, and you're like, "Oh, hey, let me tell you." But what about the USA? Like everybody, even in Australia, like Australia is so relaxed. Like we have so many holidays here, and because it's just the relaxed, like beach lifestyle, even though we're in the city. But everybody was like, "Glenn, you are so relentless at this." Like what? Like I've never seen this work ethic, and you just keep going because. Bear in mind, when I did this, I actually, again, another serendipitous moment. I was running health clubs, so my phone was on 24-7, all these staff. Some guys walked in off a government project, construction. I'd not done construction since I was in college. And I started like inquiring. I was like, how much are you guys earning? Because you're always at the gym, and what hours are you doing? Anyway, they told me. In my head, I was like, okay, if I do this for 12 months, I can earn even more because I was doing night shift. So for 12 to 14 months, I actually quit my profession, went on the weekend, did my white card to get my ticket for construction. For 12 to 14 months, I did six days a week, 12 hours a day. On top of that, press releases, media kits, networking. Oh, it was a crazy. I was up at 4 a.m. every morning going to the gym to study marketing and advertising, getting on site at 6 a.m. if I did day shift, getting home at 7 p.m., spending time with a wife and kids, staying up till midnight, doing all the, the campaign and everything. And that's when everyone was like, where do you get this also from? I said, the US. Mm. I said, there's a big shift in mentality that when you want to do something, you go after it in the US. And that's what I loved. And Gary Vee once said on a, on a spokes thing, he said, only the 1% of people will implement an action. What I say, 99% will be back the next year asking the same bloody questions and more expletives. And I was like, something just stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? And that's why I always say, led by the universe, me, whatever, the work ethic there, 12 months, global, a little old guy from Yorkshire that didn't know anyone in entertainment and all these kind of things. And now I get the big organizations reaching out and go, oh, we'd love to collaborate. I'm like, oh, would you collaborate? Hey, I'm like, you guys are earning millions of dollars. I'm trying to actually help people. And I always say, like, I want to be like Robin Hood, taking from you guys that can afford it and giving it to the people that sadly 
aren't getting the treatment because yes. they're not so that's a preach right there, isn't it? <laughs> I love the preach and I he, I feel it. I feel it. You're preaching to the choir, but I get it. Something that I often talk about is that there are so many corporations and also celebrities that have the platforms that don't use them for the good, right? We don't have, uh, God, we're going to keep referring back to her just because uh, she's who connected us. But but Eden and I talked about this and and after we spoke the first time, she said, Lori, you need to be out there. You need to have the pop. People need to hear you. People will need to hear your story. And I said, girl, I'm trying. I mean, I've been doing this less than a year podcast wise, but this is what happens is it's exactly what you just said. You're just some little guy from Yorkshire, you know, same thing, girl from Reno. And you don't get the followers until somebody specific decides that they want to listen to you, right? You don't like, you have to get that one celebrity or that one company that says, oh, I want in now, but nobody's interested few people are interested in the beginning when you're working your ass off and you're getting that drive like you're talking about that we're all going through. And yeah, I mean, sooner or later it works itself out, but it's like the beginning is it's just like getting a fucking job. You know, kids are like, oh, well, we're not going to get hired because you don't have experience. It's like, where well, you're going to get the experience asshole if you don't hire me. Like yeah. what's supposed to be happening here? So I don't know. There we go. Another rant. <laughs> it, it is like a business. I always say to people, because now I actually do consulting for people who want to do what I've done. So actually in, in Synergy, it worked out really well for me. I didn't have to go back on construction or fitness. So I'm very grateful for that. However, when it comes to the business, the people that you think would support you mm-hmm. and like share your stuff, you'll find you're on your own. It's strangers that will resonate with your story. And I think so many people are stuck in this notion of going, I always say, Kylie Jenner will put out a new makeup line. Everyone will share it. Your family, your friends, all, all the girls, all the women or something. You do something, you're trying to change the world. And it's like, it's. but then all of a sudden, everybody starts seeing the movement and starts seeing the press and starts seeing that. And then everybody suddenly, but then again, what I've learned over time, I don't, I don't even judge that because I think, like I was going to go back to New York and say, Everyone's on a different part of their journey. And I think even my mother said to me, she didn't see why there was such passion in me to do this. She knew I lost a friend and I'd gone through body dysmorphia, but she said, you are relentless. And then it was only like, I'd say six months ago, she actually rang me and one of her good friends had split up with her husband because her husband had had an affair. They'd separated for a couple of months until they went to a mutual friend's wedding and she saw him with another person and she actually took her life. And my mum called me like upset and she was like, I get it. I get it. So that's one of the things with the campaign. It said, stop for a moment. What if this with your brother, your mother, your sister, your father, how would you champion them? And I think with that mentality, like you were saying, when people were like, eh, what's up? I can't do New York. <laughs> but anybody saying it, I think sometimes, <laughs> like even if people judge those people, I think we need to remove that and go, they haven't experienced it. And I think COVID's shown us, like I say, it's their first wake up call to mental health. Like, stuck indoors 24-7, it's, we're not used to it. So I think it's made everyone be a little bit more conditioned to going inwards on themselves actually and seeing what they feel like and how they're represented on the outside as well. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You talked about this, a few. you mentioned this a few times and I would love to get to understand more of specifically what body dysmorphia is and then get a little deeper and tell us how that affected you and your life and and the journey that you're on here. Yeah. So 
One of the things that I like to do with the campaign is basically tell people through storytelling, if one thing doesn't work for you, listen to someone else's and try. Because for me, I went to a psychologist the first time. I always say Dr. Google. I Google the symptoms. Like what started out <laughs> three to four minutes in the mirror, got to three to four hours sometimes. It was taking me away from everything, just these perceived flaws. Because I was living in Bondi Beach in Sydney um, when I turned 30, and I thought, hey, time to settle down. You've got baby. You've got this. Don't care about the aesthetics as much. And hanging around with people in Bondi that look like they have just stepped off a catwalk or like a bodybuilding competition, you're not as naive as to think. And I always say this, and no judgment again, but people take supplementation. So I wasn't as naive to think, hey, some of you aren't taking this. But when some are your friends and telling you they're not, it starts playing with your head. Mm. With me, I wanted this big aesthetic chest and these big arms, and it got in such a downward. Oh, it got so bad that we couldn't find childcare in Sydney. We actually moved to Thailand for a while. My wife grew up in Thailand, then Florida, then came here. We met, blah blah blah. Uh, so we moved to Thailand. <laughs> well, I just wanted to put it in context and go, where did Thailand come from? Like, I'm from England. She's from Thailand. I thought I'm not going back to the British weather. So bugger that. <laughs> I'm going to Thailand. A hot climate, but. Take away my normality, your friends and a different culture, I suppose it was detrimental because it gave me more time with the bloody mirror. And I can look back now and go, what did you do to yourself? And I, sometimes I was like three to four hours. Now, with body dysmorphia, it's different for everybody. Some people can't stand looking at themselves, mm-hmm. avoid the mirror. Some people are obsessed. So when I first went to see somebody about it, because I broke down to my wife one day because she noticed it after a long period and said, we can't keep going on like this. Like you're missing like our child's <laughs> like life. Yeah. Well, and can I stop you real quick? Because you're on quite a flow, but I still, I have questions <laughs> when you're, when you're in this mirror three to yeah. four hours, like that's a freaking long time. Tell me about it. <laughs> What's happening? Like, what do you like? And you don't just like, oh, went by the living room, like, hey, Glenn, like, you're like, holy shit, I'm going to stand here for a long time. And what do, what's happening? What are you doing? What is your mind well, saying? Pulling yourself apart. So you'd be like, look in and you'd be like, oh, has it changed yet? Has it, oh, has it, like, seriously? And it's this, as I say, studying, I knew the makeup, I knew how the body worked, I knew every, but what you can suddenly tell in there is a completely different thing. So that's what I, I did. So I'll give you a scenario, like, yes. say, for example, I'd walk out to go to the gym and I'd see a mirror, it'd catch my attention. In my head, it'd be like, oh, maybe just check, see if it's changed, see if, see if anything's changed. So instead of going out the door, I'd go back to that mirror. It was almost like it was pulling me. I'd take my top off just to have a look whether it changed and then probably spend about an hour pulling myself apart. Like, that is how detrimental body dysmorphia is. It's not like but, uh, anorexia or anything. It's mm-hmm. nothing to do with your food. But then again, when I got through it and I worked through it, I was still in the health and fitness profession because I loved it. It's where I network. It's where everything. I started spotting it with some of these guys and these girls. To mm. so our eye, looked incredible. And I started saying to some of them, like some of the big guys, like I'd be like, you never squat or you never do your back looking at your form in the mirror. Is there a reason why? So this is that thing. You can pick up on people when you've been through it yourself. And they'd be like, yeah, I don't like looking in the mirror. I'm like, you look incredible, dude. Like people would... <laughs> for your body like you look amazing like nah so then I actually penned it when I started the campaign and I wrote a blog piece on it and I put it on my actual you know where you're like okay I'm gonna go in this all out 
put it on my Facebook, which is predominantly like your family and friends. <laughs> exactly. The response from guys was like, dude, I think I've got that. I just didn't know there was a name for it. It's yeah. huge. This is the society thing. Like, and mine, it stemmed from the first time I saw a psychologist, which is talking, attesting to the podcast. If one thing doesn't work, keep going is because I did see a psychologist the first time and they was trying to pinpoint it to a childhood trauma or something. And I was like, excuse my language, but this is fucked. I was like, I was the first one a few years ago to go on the Bondi beach and top off, didn't give a shit. And it wasn't until I actually did a podcast with a good friend, Heather Maltman, she's an actress. And she said, again, you're so relentless. So I know you lost a friend, but what is it, Clem? Like, why are you just, you've been through it. You've been through it. And I've openly spoke about it, but then I was just like, yeah, I know what it's like to like, I didn't have the clouded moment of judgment where I thought I'd be better off not being here, but I got very close to thinking, how am I going to get through this? Like it's consuming my every thought. And I could tell in my head it was silly because this is where body dysmorphia can go. I can look on YouTube or anything and I can look at people who may be obese or that and then go, Clem, what are you worrying about? Like, like you're fine. But then two minutes later, I'd be looking in the mirror and that's how debilitating it can be. And I posted something on my socials the other week just to show how bad it was. And I look back now and go, you had the washboard abs, you had the arms, you had this, like you was lean, but you had a good bloody body, Glenn. And what you did to yourself for those three years, what it turned out was one of the best things I did see a a new psychologist in the end with a bit of cognitive. And he actually referred me to a personal trainer, a guy who had been through the exact same thing. Mm. What I'd done was all the years of teaching martial arts and these spin bikes, what do you guys call them over there? Cycle classes or something to music? I love that you said that because I absolutely fucking hate anything that has wheels and has to put my ass on a seat. So I don't know what they call it. The Peloton. I I used to teach all those. So spinning, spinning. Spinning, yeah. So I used to teach all those, like loads of them. So bearing in mind, like a boxer, I was punching all the time. I was like that. So I was loading the front Mm. of my minus. So my shoulders were coming forward. That's why I couldn't get this chest. So indirectly... When I did ART, active release therapy, massage, oh, I opened my chest, it started growing. And then my arms started moving a little bit. And I was like, you put yourself through three years of that. And yeah, and that's why I'm such a big advocate of like body positivity because it starts in here. If we oh, are happy sure. with ourselves and I'm just, yeah, it's detrimental to a lot of people. And I think if nobody's experienced it and especially guys that come forward and open about it, like, if you're talking about the New York mentality, like going off, if, if there's the masculine side of things and they're going, oh, you're on about, you're fine. You're, you're fine. Yes. But when we go through those emotions ourselves, that's why guys just do not open it. And when I did, I think it gave my circle of guy friends in the fitness industry kind of like that. Someone said it. Mm-hmm. I can share it. Yes. Yes. And that's what happens. It's like a domino effect. Exactly. And that's what's so amazing about your campaign, especially for those that are watching. As you said earlier, you think you see these these bits and pieces of celebrities and you think you know what their life is and and you know a very small piece of it, very small piece of it that looks glamorous. And it's likely they're all pissing and moaning. Yeah, exactly. All these, these are like Australia's biggest celebrities who started off. So in context for people who are listening, I did it all visual medium. So it was photography. And it was getting people into their safe zone and asking them to go back 
into a place where they were struggling with their mental health. Mm. And I think because of that adversity I'm being through and picking up on that empathy side, I just shot on moments where there's a capture of a, of a, of a tear in the eye and you're looking at it, you know there's a story there. And then they share their story. Yes, I love it. And what Glenn's referring to is this beautiful piece that he has sitting behind him of several celebrities from Australia that are showing a very, very tender moment in their life and and thought process of of definitely some some strong things that have gone on uh, mentally. And just just love everything about this. And when I hear you speak, I'm like, this is so me because it's the same thing. You When you see specific events and people are taking photos, they're always looking for the normal, like, oh, get together and take the four people. And oh, we were at the wedding together. And you're like, look over in the corner and watch Grammy when she's looking at the daughter who's, you know, and she's looking at probably generations of children and can't believe that this is her fifth, you know, <laughs> great, 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 great granddaughter that just, um, you know, or the, the, Stop watching the bride come down the aisle. Look at the groom when he sees this woman that he has said, yes, I want to be with her forever and ever and ever. And uh, it's just lovely. Uh, so I love, I, I looked through and and we'll definitely put your information on our show notes about the campaign. And so people can go back and see the visuals because they are so mighty and strong and and definitely allows me at least, and I hope others to know you're not alone. I know I'm not alone. And anybody else got the brain like me, dang, I'm sorry. And all we could do is work together. Um, but I often say it hurts to be brilliant, right? <laughs> hurts to be brilliant. So body dysmorphia was something you experienced. Then you had, in addition to that, it sounds like you moved a lot. So that's also something that. Yeah, my family, we move every year. We get really bored. When you okay. like we'll get a new place and like a year or two years we'll just be like fancy something different well we move places <laughs> it's not, yeah yeah seriously seriously we, we just love it it's like I, i'm not saying countries like we did that once like we moved to thailand we couldn't get childcare, and by the grace of god like i say i think this was a spurn of things because we suddenly out of nowhere just got this email saying we've got five days a week at childcare. we've been trying for over two years and that's why I say whether that was a spurn of a turning moment for me towards that kind of spirituality and somebody actually putting something in my favor and going, no, we need to get him back to yeah. like a little bit of normality. So when I got to Sydney, again, that was kind of a breath of fresh air because I saw my friends, I was in my culture, I was there and I was like, mm-hmm. being in Thailand, as much as I love it, I love the people and everything. When not a lot of people speak your language and you're there and you are working, you're going to a job that is full of expats, which is fine, but then you're going home and you're sat with your thoughts rather than when you're in your home country with people that you know and you can just go anywhere, you know where you are in a strange foreign country that you don't know in Bangkok. It's a big bloody city to just wander around on yourself. Yeah, I, I, it's freaking me out just listening to it. <laughs> sit, sitting alone in your thoughts, uh, in a comfortable place, let alone somewhere where people don't really yeah, understand. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't, you, you just barely know how to say hello and goodbye. I, 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 so what do you, with the, with the campaign, when you started imperfectly perfect, see, it's perfectly imperfect. It's imperfectly perfect. I said it right the first time. This is what happens to my brain. Thank you for wearing the t-shirt so I can go back to it and refer to it to make sure I'm doing it. Okay. God, I'm so glad I'm the editor of this podcast. <laughs> We're not live. <laughs> <laughs> We're not live. It's great. Um, 
I, I immediately am thinking again, back to this, this guy from Yorkshire, 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 Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Now. Okay. Total side note on Yorkshire. (laughs) (laughs) I do the accent. (laughs) It's so stupid and I can't help but do, I can't help it. And I have to, and then I'll make it. Okay. Stop. Um, I think Manchester, if, if you've heard of Manchester, that's, that's Yorkshire. That's like Northern. I feel like I've heard Yorkshire. Like, is it a tough like city? No. Okay. Well, (laughs) fuck. No, it's a suburbia. (laughs) It's like mansions and suburbia. No, bitch, it's not. (laughs) Literally middle of nowhere, just countryside. The countryside. The reason I'm even bringing this up, or why I'm so off track, is because there's a dish that I love to eat in California. There's this place called the House of Prime Rib. It's my favorite. And they serve prime rib, prime rib with this ginormous frying pan filled of Yorkshire pudding. Oh, I knew you was going to say Yorkshire pudding. Did you know? Why did you let me go through that whole fucking dissertation if you knew I was going to say Yorkshire pudding? Yorkshire pudding. It's the first time I actually, I, I made some Yorkshire puddings for my, uh, for my wife's family, who were obviously Thai. <laughs> and they loved it, but they actually thought it, it could be for a dessert. You put some ice cream at the side of it. You, I was like, what? No, no. Get, some fuel, get some ribs on it or something. Like yes, that. you got to dunk that in some beef and some au jus. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I do love it. Sorry, total sidebar. I had to talk because I wondered, like, why the hell do they call it Yorkshire pudding? I didn't understand. Now I'm putting it together. It's a cultural thing. From Yorkshire, which is not which is not a town, a tough town. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so for the campaign back into Australia, you kicked ass, took names. Who was your first pioneer? Who was the first person that came on board and said, I want to be a part of this and just sort of broke that threshold of like, we are here now because I have a celebrity. Yeah. So an actor called Dan Ewing. So we was actually shooting one day and um, he's in basically anyone out of Australia knows or they've probably heard of Chris Hemsworth Thor. well, there's two big shows in Australia called Home and Away Neighbours. That's where he started. And so I know a few of the guys, including Dan, on this show. And he came on and he was the actual one that we were talking. And he said, you know what, social media, it was like being an actor is like on one hand, it brought to fruition an incredible platform for connecting. On the other hand, it brought narcissism, it brought ego, it brought vanity metrics. And it says at the end of the day, we're just all imperfectly perfect. I was like, dude, I love that. I was like, that is incredible. And he he openly shared his story and he got backlash in the press a few years ago. Um, and again, people don't know the behind the scenes. There was a lady that came on it and she's called Roxy Jasenko and she's huge in the PR world. And when she came on it, there was a magazine that ran with her story. Now, she's in her 40s, highly successful woman in Australia. But when she was in her 20s, she was a young girl like everybody else. And she was in PR. And she was known to just go and put herself out there in terms of talking to people's clients and trying to drum up business and going it alone. She's 40-odd. And when she came out, this article, bearing in mind I didn't know at the time, it was a it was a PR marketing magazine. They slated her, and she's gone through cancer. She nearly, I think, she nearly went through a mastectomy. And her husband went to prison for something he'd done years and years ago when he was younger. 
she doesn't have a nanny. She doesn't have all this. Yes, she's got herself to where she was, but they went to town on her. Mm. And I was like, that was the first time when her PA got in touch with me and said, oh, we've got some great press on this from some other stuff. I was like, yeah, it's good. It's getting reach out. And I was so like, <laughs> I felt for her. And it was like, oh, did you see that article? I was like, yeah. She was like, it's like ducks off of water's back. She was like, you have to learn. Some people like you, some people don't like you. And she was like, they don't know my life. They don't know the struggle I've had going through cancer. And when people think you are privileged, she was like, my mum and dad never gave me anything. I've worked for everything I've done. But because they see an end result, they make judgment. And for people in the same industry who are grown-ass adults to pull someone down when they're talking about their mental health, shame on you. Like, if you go through that and someone pulled you down, like, this is where we need to be more mindful. And she was like, Glenn, don't worry about it. But for me, I wanted to go on and respond to every single comment and going, how dare you? Somebody has openly shared their vulnerability and you've teared them down. What if that was your mother, sister, your kid? Like, I don't know. I get so passionate about it just because I'm like, guys, don't cast a stone on other people if you are not perfect yourself. And we are not perfect. Well, and what I'm hearing from you, again, goes back to being human. Exactly. And why do we have to identify if you're going to be an asshole? Like, why why would you treat your family any different? Like, let's just treat everybody the same. Let's not even have to have that discussion. Like, just pretend to, like this was your daughter. It's like, no, it's a woman who's worked her ass off. She's said it very clearly. She's done it. And just believe her, move on and be grateful and thankful. And Jesus, learn something, would you? Well, or even if you don't agree what she did in the past or something like that, like, does it warrant an opinion? like a vocal opinion in a in a magazine comment or something like that. It's just like, hold on, just just hold your tongue. Like <laughs> hold your tongue. I like that. This is a good friend of mine who just happens to be a big name. I'll, yeah. Anyway, I met him at the gym. Just turns out to be <laughs> that was a name drop, but not a g- name drop. He was, no, it's just like, yeah, yeah, one of my good friends, he's a big name, but I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> well, no, you know what? He's the most humble guy ever, but he just happens to be in, in a great show. And he actually said, he said on the thing, he said, so many people, when you're in the public eye or you've got a platform, think they warrant an opinion on you. Like, why? Yeah. Like, I, I don't have anything to say to you. And he even started talking about the body image. And it was like, when people came out and started saying, Jason Momoa's got the dad body, it was like, bloody hell. He was like, if he's got a dad body off season, he says, we are not paid to look like Aquaman 24 7, 365 days mm-hmm. a year. We are human. So why does it warrant someone, oh, they've lost it now, they've got a dad bod? Like, I'll tell you some David Momoa looking like that on his off-season. Like, I think any guy would kill to look like him. Yes, and hello, <laughs> a bunch of crazy old freaking moms that are freaking out about, like, deal. Gosh. But it's so true. It's like, what warrants an opinion? Like, look inwards and see where you're going wrong or what what's going on inside. Because, as I say, hurt people hurt people. So... Let's figure mm. out what's I love that. It's so true. Hurt people hurt people. It's so true. Yeah. Peeps, figure your shit out. <laughs> Quit bitching about dad bods, by the way. And who's to say that some of us don't love a dad bod? Exactly. So suck it. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Okay. This is so exciting. I have to ask you now because you you we're we're dropping names, but we're not dropping names. Um with working with so many celebrities internationally, somebody had to have gotten you a little bubbly and gotten you a little excited and like a little nervous. I know you don't get nervous because we're all human, but like 
if Mariah Carey walked in right now, I would shit myself. I have said shit myself like five times in this interview. I feel I don't know. I better go get that checked. That might be the universe telling me I have some colon issues. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Mariah Carey, uh, I would freak out. Like, I don't even know if I would be able to speak, which is obviously unlike me. Um, so have you had that moment yet? Have you had someone that you've worked with or interviewed or been around that you're like, what the freak? I think I've, I think each one, to be honest with you, as it's grown and it's got bigger and the names and the, the accolades that they've done and, and you've seen them in a lot of things. I mean, for me, it's kind of funny because I see the American names. I see them on big movies and everything. But purely because I'm from the UK, I started doing kind of a, a UK tour thing. And so it's like a 90s revival. So as I was growing up and watching all these pop bands like Boyzone and Blue and Atomic Kitten and all these, you guys might not know them. But when they started coming on my account um, on my on my and getting behind it, and there's a lady called Jamelia, mm. like, oh, I loved that woman growing up. She, she was the soundtrack for like all the big movies and she was an R&B singer and she came on and we just had a laugh. But before that, I was kind of like, and then, of course, all the Baywatch cast, a lot of the Baywatch cast came on from the day, like Jeremy Jackson we met four years ago. We just hit it off. I have never, like, it'd be amazing for your podcast as well because he is so, the first day we met, I reached out. I was in LA. I was like, I do photography. I'd love to shoot you. Never in a million years thought he'd get back because now I found out he doesn't like shooting in the Hollywood. He was like, he's not comfortable with it. And he says on an interview, but there was just something about this guy, mm. like something about, so he's kind of spiritual now. So we were drawn together. And the day that we met, he openly shared his story. So raw. And I actually said to him, I was like, you don't know me. Like you're in the public eye. I could be a journalist. I could be any, it was like, but you're not dude. I can tell. So from that day, we hit up a friendship four years later. And then Gina Lee Nolan came on. I was talking to that Jason Simmons. We caught up in Australia. We shot. And so the ones that I actually grew up watching, like, I think it's amazing everybody else, and I'm so grateful. When you grow up and you're a kid and you're watching these people on stage and you think they have the highlight reels and then they kind of break that dream for you because when you hear of some of the ones that I watched and I'm like, oh, well, you was doing this, she was doing this, she was doing this, she must have been living the life. And there was like, we hardly earned anything. We was away from family. We was like 16, 17 years old. We was up at 4 a.m., flying here, flying there. But the bosses were making the money. There was no HR department for our mental health and like things have come a long way, obviously, but yeah. This just hit me that, oh my God, oh my gosh, it's serendipitous. I love that word. I'm, I've heard it before, but I like it when you said it. Now I'm going to use it all the time. Has this, okay. Cause now I'm fan geeking. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I'm a little obsessed with Justin Bieber right now because I'm going to see his concert in Las Vegas in June. Now, let me tell you, I always thought he was just a cute little kid from Canada and he sang his little songs and then he went through some shit. And again, I think like you said, authentically, you know, when you've gone through some shit, I'm like, give this kid a break, whatever. You know, Canada doesn't want him. I'm like, he's so sweet and he's just a kid, like whatever. He just did this. I say just, this is so old fucking news. This was in October, but I just watched it last night for the first time and I was so excited. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's called Justin Bieber, the next chapter. It's a documentary about him and they they essentially followed him through the pandemic and he created this new album that he has, which is Justice, which is now he, his tour was canceled last year. He's coming on 
um, now. And we're going to go see him in Vegas. And I watched this and I totally attached to him and I started crying and I was like, Oh my God, I want to interview him for the podcast, which now I'm going to just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to ask him like, fucking do it. Just like your Jeremy guy, like, right. Worst thing to do is say no. So many people are held back because they don't. And everyone's like, how did you get in touch with these celebrities? How did you do this? I'm like, hey, it's not easy work, but you know what? If, if you've got the tenacity to keep on going. like well, You definitely have the tenacity. So maybe you can help me find Justin, but you have to watch this show. Maybe we could do like a dual. Ooh, let's do like an imperfectly perfect recovery hour. Dual, like hit him up from side to side. He can't get out of this joint. Justin Bieber, next chapter, YouTube. Please check it out. You're going to love it. You know what? When he came out with all that, the response was incredible from people who had prejudged him. Mm. And that bratty kid who'd got everything and went out of control until he shared his vulnerability and he, stole, he told his story. And then even when Kanye West came out that it was bipolar and everyone's like, well, that makes sense. The erratic <laughs> behavior, this, that, and the yes. other. Why was everyone trying to hide him from the world in saying he'd got it? Because now everybody's like, okay, that makes sense. Like they can be more mindful towards it. But with Justin Bieber, what I like, someone said to me, oh, you need to get like Demi Lovato and Justin Bieber and all these. I said, that'd be incredible. And they were talking about Scooter, who's like their manager. Oh, yeah. And they was basically saying how <clears throat> Scooter, for such a young guy, is so highly respected because when they go through their own issues, he will cancel tours. He will just put a stop to it to make sure that mental health is a priority. And I said, I want Scooter. And they was like, why? And I was like, because there's a story there. You don't just pull people out and think about the mental health on that. There's a story there. I want to know Scooter's story. Yes. I'm working on it, but. (laughs) Well, in case Scooter offers you Justin, you can just hand him off to me and then you take Scooter. Um, (laughs) But that's interesting because part of this documentary I was watching, Scooter was on it. and, And Justin was talking about how, I think there was about four of them in his tribe that have started with him and, and Scooter, obviously one of them. And he even said something like that when they were watching this for the first time and, and Scooter said, God, I wish I knew that was happening. I wish I understood. I would have gotten you help, right? Like he was feeling awful that there was something he thought he missed and that's sort of the thing. Like it goes back to exactly what you said. Just let's talk about it. Like let's stop making this such a shameful freaking thing to talk about mental health. Like most of us are going through something. Most of us are going through something. Yeah. Okay. So Justin, if you're listening, because I have Glenn from Imperfectly Perfect, please send him Scooter and you just come on over. Maybe we can hang out in Vegas when I go down there. June 4th, by the way, I'll be at the June 4th show. T-Mobile. <laughs> I just can't wait for flights to take back off. We're not out, we're not allowed out of Australia yet. What the frig? Like, did you guys, you were the own, was it you or New Zealand that was the first? New Zealand. They're oh, okay. The prime minister. She's, she's, and, and guess what? She's what? a woman. She's amazing. <gasps> like, like, let's say it. Let's, let's get some women running these countries. I think we'd be a lot better. <laughs> oh, hey, Glenn. Wow. I thought I liked him before we even interviewed. Yes. Let's get some women running these damn countries. Well, amazing. So you're still in Australia. So what's the situation? What's the COVID situation there? No travel. Really okay. We've not been doing mass or anything. Social distance has just lifted. They've now just started all the, the festivals and the music scene back up. Now and again, there'll be pockets that pop up and then they'll shut down certain areas to contain it. But yeah, they've just not started flights or like you can go internal to different parts, but 
I yeah, I'm missing I'm missing the US. I've been wanting to get out there for oh, it's going on two years now. Oh my goodness. Of, no. Yeah, it's insanity. Okay, so this is what I'm hearing. Glenn, former, former fitness guru, hung that shit up. Or are you still doing it? What's going on? I actually hung that shit up. Love yeah. it. Love it. I love how you apologized earlier for saying fuck. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> this is rated E. Well, you know what? Sometimes you don't know on podcasts whether you can swear or not. And people normally go, can I swear? So um, I meant to I tell you. you probably did, didn't she? I love her for that. She's just, oh, she's so raw and honest. And that's what I love about her. Like, you know, it's when your vibe attracts your tribe and you just feel so comfortable and you feel like, I can I can say now, Eden, we've known each other probably a year or something through this, but I feel like I've known her 10 years. I can mm. talk. And I suppose you can. Like, I feel like I can with you. And I think you just attract this kind of, when you're on the same frequency, like yes. we're working on energies, you just get it. And when you keep on saying like, when you know when someone's been on it, it's the same thing. Again, Letitia, she wants saying, you know that look, that look, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you just see it? I gave you the look. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I would love to end with talking just a little bit more officially about Imperfectly Perfect and how any of the listeners can support this campaign. What can we do? Yeah, sure. So you can find us on all social media platforms and imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org. And whereby with that what the initial onset was to create awareness. So visual medium was to attract people, to showcase their favorite people, take them through straight to the podcast, sharing stories. They know that they're not alone. And on top of that, we do worship, uh, worships, workshops. Yes, praise the Lord Jesus. <laughs> For the corporate sector. But on top of that, when people see the celebrities, they see the corporate leaders and everything, I we need to create a middle ground for everybody else to come on. So I started an initiative, a global community, whereby we do initiatives where hashtag I'm imperfectly perfect on the hand. And basically we share it throughout all the socials. And within two days, we've got over 500 Sky News picked up on it. And it just showcased that I wanted to de-celebritize it and just bring everyone together. So at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, why is it only celebrities? I'm going, because we look up to them. We aspire to be them. Let's create the platform and then let's bring everybody else together. Yes. And then we can show this just human. It doesn't matter. So one of the big things with me is I put a celebrity, as you would call, like no no person who does entertainment would call themselves celebrity, first right. of all. Right. So I did this film, short film, coming out soon, actually, exclusive for you. Coming out soon. <laughs> celebrity. And your everyday person like myself, but somebody else, obviously. And they were behind the screen. That person couldn't hear that person, that person but I knew that they had the same story. So they're sharing the exact same symptoms they went through in their story. That person is removing it like blind date and they're seeing we are one. Same as that. Yes. We smile, but we hide in it. Connect. Ooh. So There's the Juicy. podcast awareness. Uh, we're working on some technology stuff. What else? Oh, the roundtable series. Yeah. So whereby I just put them on again, I was fed up of seeing so many people on waiting lists I think people are doing amazing things out there, but I was just like, you know what? As humans, I think collectively we can do a little bit better. Money is not everything. There are people who generally and sincerely want to help. I started reaching out to experts and professionals and said, you know what? Look, I haven't got anything to give you. I said, but at the end of the day, I said, you're in this profession. You want to help. Can you spare an hour of your time? And we'll put an event on. So it's like a group therapy. So people who are on waiting lists at least can come into the safe space 
and it's moderated correctly, professionally. They've got help. You can take them where they need to be, but at least we're doing something. And they yeah. started going on and we was getting 40 people, 50 people and growing. And off the back of that, I started bringing together these roundtable discussions whereby we have these hard, bloody conversations. So we've got international celebrities, corporate leaders who've never met each other. And again, I want to finish with a really briefly, another serendipitous moment. So Justin Garini came on with Eden, with Letitia, never met. Letitia Fry, I was in LA one day, scrolling social media, never knew who she was. So raw, her post, reached out to her, said, this is so raw. She actually flew from Arizona to LA the next day to shoot, got to know the family, handed me a, a, a number over of this woman to ring her. We connected. She came on the campaign. We did all this stuff. The roundtable discussion, we did the first one. Justin and Letitia, first time they met each other. He lives in Pennsylvania. She lives in Arizona. She's an auctioneer. He's obviously a performer. She wasn't going to go to an event in Arizona where she is. And she got called last minute. She actually turned up to the event and she rang me and she was like, you will never guess who's here. I was like, who? Justin was on stage. So then after that, it gets better. Justin came off stage. She went to introduce herself. They both called me and they was like, Justin wasn't even supposed to be at that event. He got booked last minute because the other ones had pulled out, got flown from Pennsylvania to Arizona Letitia wasn't meant to go. She just happened to go last minute. Come on. Yes. Like that's, you can't, and there'll be people, your listeners might be going, ah, yeah, whatever. Ah. You start spotting those signs. That's it. Yeah. No, the listeners are good. They know that shit. They they can't, they can't listen to my ass if they don't believe in this kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that in itself. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's something, something at work. Even if you don't believe it, whatever you believe in this world, I always think, you know what? I don't think we was born just to create to get up and go to school and get a job and then stay at home and then pass away. I'm like, there's got to be something. So whether you believe it, whether you don't, open your mind, expand your knowledge and just see and connect with people. Like stop being too afraid of this judgment thing and just like, hey, I'm speaking to Laurie right now, other side of the world. Do you know what I mean? And yes. you don't know what will happen. It could be your next opportunity. It could be... You don't know where it goes. You never do. You have to be open. We're doing our, our work, right? We're, we're here for a reason. We have a purpose. Go with your gut and be a good person. You want a really profound one? Someone once told me, you know, when you think you'll find your purpose, I thought mine was to be of service to others. And then someone actually turned it around on me and said, yeah, I think that, or I believe that is one part, but it was once told to me that your purpose is about finding out who you are. That's why we constantly evolve it. Just when we think we're there, Mm. Boom, something else happens. Jesus. Come on, Glenn. I thought I had all this fucking figured out. Now I got to leave and go. <laughs> Who's Lori? Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I love hearing that. I was like, so true. Just when we think, and then we, we want this quick rise to success, whatever that may look like for you. And then it doesn't happen. And then when you finally get there, you look back and go, okay, that was actually a blessing. I wasn't ready. I needed to learn something else. And that's probably sorting out that inner child from what our parents and what their parents give us about money, about success, about this, about... I had to work on that with this. As it was getting bigger, even my own parents was like, where did you get this from? <laughs> like, where, like this drive, where, did, where are you going to stop? When are you going to stop? And I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, yeah. I came from a place of love, but that was something because they'd never done it. So mm-hmm. anyone listening, like, I think COVID, what it's taught us is go inside and find out who the hell you are. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Do it. Do it now because Glenn said, 
And you know what? We're all imperfectly perfect. We are. We are. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate you and appreciate your work. And yeah, if it can help you and put you in touch with some of them. I don't know Justin yet, but I know some pretty cool people who will be good. Love it. <laughs> put it in context there for your listeners. She is like, um, I can see you going red as well. Like, oh, <laughs> Justin, Justin. <laughs> Yeah. And everybody thinks he's just like this little teeny bopper. And I'm telling you, I just always, you know, uh, you know, like you said, it's the look, you know, I saw the kid in Disneyland a couple of years ago. You could tell he was like, man, you know what? the funny thing is, I'm just picturing like you taking your kids to go and see him and like your kids are just waiting in line and you're like, let me through. <laughs> okay. Hi. So I love that you just said my kids because I'm not going with my children. <laughs> <laughs> Where's mommy going to see Justin? <laughs> I told my husband, I was like, Justin Bieber is going to be in Vegas. It's, it's like a a 55, (laughs) zero minute flight from Reno to Vegas. I'm like, I want to go. Oh, I've just got another picture of you. Just sat there. You're not going with anyone. You sat there with your popcorn. Just (laughs) Okay. So that was my plan because my husband immediately said no. And I'm like, fine, I'm going anyway. It happened to be my best friend who is turning, what is she turning 51? And she wanted to go on a little trip with us. And I said, well, we're going to go to Vegas on your birthday weekend and I'm going to go see Justin. So if you want to come, that would be amazing. If you don't, I'm going by myself and you can hang with the boys. So she was like, I guess I'll go. Um, Yeah. So I'm going with my 51 year old date and I'm going to buy like a Bieber fever shirt and just be that lady. I've got to tell you, oh, we could talk for hours, but I've got to tell you, my favorite concert that I went, I was I was at college, I was doing all this, and there was this, this girl who used to work on the bar with me, and she was like, look, I'm going with my girlfriend, and we're bringing a lot other of our girlfriends, um, but one of our, our friends can't come. Do you want to come to see Christina Aguilera? It was yes! when Christina went through a dirty stage. I was like, sign me up. She was like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be with me and my girlfriends and a lot more women, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> so there's just me, me with like 10, 10, 10 women at the side of me and little girls at the other side. I didn't care. Christina, we're going through a dirty stage. It was the best <laughs> concert ever. I'm a I, genie <laughs> in a bottle. No, oh, she was at dirty stage. That was years before. Like, she was my pinup growing up, Christina. I was like, it wasn't Britney, it was Christina. Oh. And then when she was at dirty stage, I was like, she's just a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to Google Christina Aguilera dirty. That's no, all. I know exactly. She was wearing chaps in a boxing ring. That's it. And she just owned who she was. And I was like, she you. was. She was a fucking beanpole, too, by the way. She was definitely dealing with some mental stuff. You know what? If I get her on this campaign and I have to tell her that story, <laughs> oh my like, God, I would die. That's oh, yes. Oh, dear. She's, she's, you know, she's from the Staten Island. That's where I am from, in New York. Oh, you know, mutual people you can contact me with. <laughs> God, I wish. No, she'd probably run if she knew. Oh, now this Staten Island. Uh, um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but but shall I find anyone? I'm sure. I'm sure several of my cousins would be like, "Oh yeah, I know her." But I don't. She didn't. I, I can't give her number out because it's like you know. She told me not to give it to anybody. That's what they would do. That's how they are. It's so annoying. Okay. 
Okay, Christina Aguilera, just in case anybody, you know, the twos of listeners that are listening to the recovery hour today, we might have three listeners because Glenn's wife might listen or something. So we might get an extra listen today. That would be amazing. Download it um, anywhere. And I don't know why I'm telling you that because you're listening. If you're listening, you've actually fucking downloaded it. So I'm just going to stop talking. It was a pleasure meeting you. And you. Um, Can't wait till the borders open. If you come to LA, I can fly out and meet you in real life. That would be cool. Yes. We're having dinner with Eden. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. It's morning for you. I'm going to go pick up my children. Have a great day. Thank you so much for your time. I'm just taking my kids to school. So the end of the day. I have to go pick mine up. Because oh, what you want, you're on what yesterday. Tuesday. Oh, so you survived. COVID's still here. We're in the future, but COVID's still here. You're in the future. Yes. Okay. Please tell me what I should make for dinner tonight. Hey, if I knew the lottery numbers from somewhere else, I'd be I'd be straight on that shit. <laughs> that would have been a better question. I don't know where I came up with dinner. Okay. <laughs> well, I feel like I know you now. You're obsessed with Justin, so the dinner thing makes sense. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to let you live that down, mate. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.